Today we're talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit. So if you have your Bibles, and I hope that you do, or your phones or your iPads, open them up to Ephesians chapter 5. We're going to be looking at verses 15 through 20, Ephesians chapter 5, verses 15 through 20. You guys ready to have some fun while we look at a text of Scripture? Yeah? All right. Because, see, we cheer at all the basketball games and all the football games, but we should be more excited about Jesus than we are about our teams, and so we need to, that's right, we need to, I like it, I like it. You got to keep that up, all right? So periodically, we just need to stir one another up to, to have fun looking at a text of Scripture. So Ephesians 5, looking at verses 15 through 21, specifically talking about the filling of the Holy Spirit. Now, When I say the words filling of the Holy Spirit, typically what comes to mind is filling a cup up with some nice, well, for me, it's Diet Dr. Pepper, right? Because I'm too old to drink the calories. Yeah, come on now. Dr. Pepper's a great drink. Coke, Pepsi, Coke, Mountain Dew. Who said Mountain Dew? That that yellow nine's dangerous for you. You got to lay off that type of stuff. All right. It should be water. That's exactly right. It should be water. All right. Water and coffee from Anova, because those are the nectars of the gods. But we're not talking about filling in a sense of a cup being poured into. When the New Testament talks about the filling of the Holy Spirit, let me, let me elaborate for you what that really means. What that really means is light is mentioned in Luke 4, 28, where it says they were filled with wrath. When you are filled with anger or wrath, what does that mean? It means you're controlled by the anger or the wrath so much so that you can't think straight. You just want to do bodily harm or other harm to someone so that it controls you. You think about Acts 13, 45, where it talks about being filled with envy and that the Jews were so controlled or so filled by envy that they opposed the ministry of Paul or Barnabas. So to be filled with the Holy Spirit means that we are to be so controlled with the Holy Spirit that we are to be so under the excitement of the word of the Lord working in our lives that all we can think or do is to live our lives for God's glory, for the Holy Spirit, and for the word which is so so saturated us that the word of God just oozes out of us as we give answers to people, as we respond to bad situations, as we deal with problems. And so here the filling of the Holy Spirit is really, we're talking about control. We are talking about being so led and so controlled that you are described as being filled with the Holy Spirit. Ephesians chapter five, beginning of verse 15, stand with me, if you will, in honor of the reading of God's word. As we look at this text, you're going to see the contrast, the commands, and the characteristics. We'll read through it. Look carefully then how you walk, not as unwise, but as wise, making the best use of the time because the days are evil. Therefore, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. And do not get drunk with wine, for that is debauchery, but be filled with the Spirit. Addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. Dear Lord, I pray you'd help us to catch a glimpse of your glory as we look through this passage and then apply it to our lives. In Jesus' name, I pray, and you may be seated. So when we look at this particular passage of Scripture, we see three different elements. We see the contrast, we see the command, and then we see the characteristics. So we start by looking at the contrast. The contrast here shows up in verse 15. 
It says, look carefully to how you walk, and this is what the book of Ephesians has been talking about. It says, to walk not as the unwise, but as the wise. You see that there in verse 15. In verse 16, it tells you to make the best use of time because the days are evil. I'll come back to that in application in a minute. Verse 17, it says, do not be foolish, but understand what the will of the Lord is. Another contrast compares those who are foolish with those who understand the will of the Lord. And then thirdly, it is not to be drunk with wine, which is debauchery, but to be filled with the Holy Spirit. So here we see some contrast, not as unwise, but as wise. So what does it mean to be wise? Well, we think back immediately to wisdom is the fear of the Lord. The beginning of all wisdom is the fear of God and understanding that as you fear God, you recognize who he is and who we are. And when we recognize our place in this world, we recognize that God is the ultimate creator of everything, the one who has created us, the one to whom we give account. And so there's a right understanding of an awe of God, of a fear of God that that creates in us a wisdom to do what his word has commanded us to do. And so we are to respond not as those who are unwise, not as those who listen to the mythologies of the world, to to the foolish sayings of the world, but as those who are wise, those who walk in light, those who understand and discern what is pleasing to the Lord, as it mentions earlier here in chapter 5. We are to be those, as Ecclesiastes 12, 13 says, who fear God and keep his commandments, for this is the end of the matter. So as we look around at all of the world and we see all of the vanity and the vanity of vanities, we come to the end of the matter, and Solomon, the wisest man who ever lived, says to us, fear God and keep his commandments, for that is the most important thing, and that is wisdom. Be wise. Do not be unwise. Making the best use of time. Oh, here there's a ton of application we can make. There's a course we could probably teach to talk about this, and some of our faculty members do. They actually have you keep a journal of how you spend your time. You'll take a day and you'll write out exactly how you spent basically every minute of the day so that you can track and see how you're using your time effectively. And we know when we think about this that we need to use our time wisely because it is limited. It says the days are evil. It means our time span is already set and that we are ever approaching the end of our time on this earth to do good things for the kingdom of God. And so we need to make sure we maximize our time. So as we think about how can we be effective, efficient with our time, we think about how we waste time. We look at a schedule and we realize that we probably spend far too many hours looking at what's on Facebook which then leads us to click on an article, which leads us to look at another article, which leads us to look at another article, and that hour we had to spend studying or preparing or writing or whatever it is that you needed to be doing ends up never happening, right? So to be wise with our time, we should watch that. What about Netflix? Or this weekend with me, it was video games. But this was a strategic waste of time because I needed, wanted to spend some time with my children, so we decided that we were gonna try to conquer the Lego Star Wars saga all in one day. We didn't didn't do it, and we were not successful. We got through episode four to episode five, which is, by the way, my favorite episode, but we got to episode five, and when we got to episode five, we all looked at each other and said, we're tired of doing this, let's go do something else. And so we gave up and went and did something else. But that was time spent with my my kids, and so time spent with my children is is always good time, but we we played video games Saturday. That's what we did, so... It was a lot of fun too, and I feel refreshed this weekend after having had some time that was strategically planned to do nothing. So I'm not saying to you, all things are evil. I'm saying to you, be wise in how you choose to spend your time. 
You can structure time to rest and recuperate, and you should, but you also need to structure your days so that you're getting up at appropriate times, so that you are studying the right amount of time, so that you are reading God's Word, so that you are in the Word with your quiet time, so that you're getting enough sleep, because when you don't get enough sleep, it changes the way you react and respond and behave and think. It changes the way you deal with life's problems. You need to make sure you get enough sleep. I have dealt with student discipline issues from a lack of sleep, because people just wouldn't go to bed, and they wouldn't stay on a regular schedule. And so I encourage you, be healthy with the way you use your time, even with working out and making sure that you have a priority to take care of your body, to eat the right things, to exercise in the right way. And so you'll see me in the gym immediately after I get through preaching this sermon, because after I preach a sermon, I can't do anything else for the next hour. I'm worthless. So I just go to the gym and work out for about 45 minutes, then get back to the office and get back to work. Structure your days wisely and efficiently so that you're taking advantage of the time. All right, I got to move on. Not as foolish, but understanding what the will of the Lord is. Now, you say, what does he mean here with foolish? Well, he tells us earlier on in chapter 5, look back up to verse 4. It says, let there be no filthiness, nor foolish talk, nor crude joking, which are out of place, but instead let there be thanksgiving. Being filled with the Spirit means that we are living lives that are self-controlled, that are sober, that are wise, that are using the time well. It also means that we're not having foolish talk come out of our mouth, and we need to make sure that we understand this, no matter how old you are or where you are in life, that foolish talk, the dirty jokes, the things you might say in order to get a laugh are not funny before God, and they have no place in the Christian life. And you say, well, well you're, just, you're just being a prude, or you're just being legalistic. No, not at all. It's foolish talk. It's the insults and the sarcasm that harm other people instead of considering others before ourselves, as Philippians 2 talks about. They're not good things. You don't want to be that person. You start thinking about people that you like and people that you want to be around. It's not the people that have the foolish, idle talk. It's not the people with the dirty jokes. It's not the people who insult you all the time. It's not the people who make fun of you behind your back. It's the people that encourage you. It's the people that are joyful. It's the people that, that bring you up and lift your spirits. Those are the type of people that you want to be around. So I encourage you here, as it says, not as foolish, but with understanding what the will of the Lord is. The foolish man builds his house on the sand and it shifts. The wise man builds his house on the rock and it stays even when the waves come crashing against it. Be a wise man or woman of God. Do not be drunk with wine, but be filled with the Spirit. You see the contrast here. Those who are unwise, foolish, or drunk versus those who are wise, understanding the will of the Lord and filled with the Holy Spirit. The word drunk is mentioned here. So I pause to take a moment to show you this. This is an image that I got off of the the website of binge drinking among adults. The darker the color, the worse it is. You see that Ohio there is really dark. That's 18 to 24% classified adults as binge drinking. That's like a quarter of the population that binge drink on alcohol to get drunk. So we're not here talking about Cedarville preferences at the moment. We're not here talking about uh, one drink at the moment. We're not here talking about any of that. We're talking about being drunk with wine, which is debauchery is what the text says. And so I urge you to make sure that you take note of the text and what it says to you and what it says to us. And so I quote from Dr. Martin Lloyd-Jones, who was a physician as well as a great preacher, and he says, drink is not a stimulus, it's a depressant. It depresses first and foremost the highest centers of all in the brain. 
They are the first to be influenced and affected by drink. They control everything that gives a man or a woman self-control, wisdom, understanding, discrimination, judgment, balance, the power to assess everything. In other words, everything that makes a man or woman behave at his or her very best and highest. The better a man's control, the better he is. But drink is something which goes immediately to get rid of that control. That indeed is the first thing it does. Here's some stats and then we'll move on after this. Every day, almost 30 people in the United States die in a motor vehicle crash that involved an alcohol-impaired driver. This amounts to one death every 51 minutes in the United States. Excessive alcohol consumption cost the United States $249 billion in the year 2010. Alcohol is the leading cause of death for people between the ages of 15 and 24. That's you guys, most of you. It's the leading cause of death. The number of college students who are sexually assaulted or are victims of date rape because of excessive alcohol consumption is 97,000 per year. It's likely believed that that's underreported and should be a lot higher because 40% of all sexual assaults are never reported to law enforcement officials. So let me just caution you about alcohol and the abuses of alcohol. And let me say to you that at Cedarville, it's not allowed, it's not okay, it's not tolerated. It's not pushed aside. It will be dealt with. And let me say that sexual assaults are something that need to be reported here if they happen, and they will be dealt with swiftly because we, as men of God, need to protect ladies of God and do what's right before a holy God, and we are going to treat our women with respect and as sisters in Christ and not as objects of our own desires. Everybody with me on that one? All right, now you got real quiet in here, so I will move on and quit stepping on toes. All right. There's a contrast. What am I saying to you? Am I saying to you a bunch of legalistic things? No, not at all. I'm saying to you, we want you to flourish in life. And to flourish for God's honor and his glory is to be wise, is to understand the will of the Lord, and is to be filled with the Spirit. It's not to be unwise, it's not to be foolish, and it's not to be drunk with wine. And so I would say to you, pursue the good things. Don't see how close you can get to the line without falling over. Don't see how close you can get to doing a sin without committing a sin. Don't see how close you can get to hanging out with those who do before it pulls you down. Flee to do what's right before God and to pursue him with your holy ambition and passion to be what he wants you to be, to be wise, to be understanding of his will, and to be filled with the Spirit. Because Jesus is all we really need, and the gospel is more important in this world than any other thing. So pursue what's good and holy and right. Pursue the right contrast, not the wrong contrast. That's what we want for you. That's what I want for you. That's my prayer for my life and for your life. We see second here a command. When we get to the command, we look in verse 18, and it tells us to be filled with the Spirit. This command is a command. It's not a suggestion. It's not optional. If you are a believer in Christ, you are commanded to be filled with the Spirit. This command also is present tense. It's not past tense. It's not a tense that says this happened at one point in time and that it has ongoing consequences. This is not the baptism of the Holy Spirit that occurred when you were saved, that the Holy Spirit came to live in your life. This is being filled with the Holy Spirit, which is present tense. It's continual. This is plural. This means it's for all of us. It's not just for me. It's not just for one of you. It's not just for those who are pastors or missionaries. It is for everyone. It is for 
all faculty, all staff, all students, all believers, all followers of Christ to be filled with the Holy Spirit and for that to be a characteristic of his or her life. It is passive. By it being passive, it means I can't go do it in and of myself. It is for me to be filled with the Holy Spirit passively, meaning that the Holy Spirit is going to give me all of the Holy Spirit that I will allow the Holy Spirit to give. Eventually, the Holy Spirit usually asks us to do something that we say, I'm not comfortable with that. And at that moment, we start grieving the Holy Spirit in our life. We start quenching the Holy Spirit in our life. And then we have to repent to get back right with God to follow the Holy Spirit and allow the Holy Spirit to continue to fill our lives and for that to be a characteristic. So let's take a closer look. If we were just take a snapshot of the book of Acts and say what happens with the filling of the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts alone, it's mentioned multiple times in the book of Acts. I've got some verses listed for you. We're not going through all of these verses. We don't have time to do that. But if you want to jot them down, you better write fast because we're going to move on to a couple others. But you see how often filling of the Spirit is mentioned in the book of Acts. If we were to look specific examples, such as Peter, we would see that Peter before the Sanhedrin in Acts 4.8, it says he was filled with the Holy Spirit. And then he said, and he had boldness, and he spoke as one speaking with authority because he was filled with the Holy Spirit, and you saw the boldness that he was able to speak with. But then in Acts 4.31, just after that, they were all together and were assembled together. The place was shaken, and they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. So in Acts 2-4, everybody was filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 4-8, Peter was filled with the Holy Spirit. In Acts 4-31, they were all again filled with the Holy Spirit. So we take away from this that being filled with the Holy Spirit is a continual thing that happens repeatedly. We wake up in the morning. We have our quiet time. We decide to pursue God. And with that day, we want to demonstrate the characteristics of being filled with the Holy Spirit. Those characteristics known as the fruit of the Spirit, the peace, the patience, the gentleness, things of that nature occasionally things happen during the day and it knocks us off course. It shakes us a little bit. We react wrongly and then we are convicted and we say, I can't respond like that. That's not who I am as a follower of Christ. I don't need to respond that way. And we get into right step and right relationship with Christ. And we understand that we need to be characterized as being filled with the Holy Spirit in our lives. That's a decision. That's a continual decision as we are, as Romans 8 says, led by the Holy Spirit. Stephen, in Acts 6-3, they were looking for men of good reputation, Stephen being one of those, described as being full of the Holy Spirit and wisdom, whom they may appoint over the business of the affairs. In Acts 7-55, it says, but he, Stephen, being full of the Holy Spirit, gazed into heaven and saw the glory of God and Jesus standing at the right hand of God. Here you see that being filled with the Spirit is a characteristic. You can talk about somebody as being filled with the Holy Spirit. You can talk about somebody as having those characteristics of peace, of joy, of patience, of long-suffering, of steadfastness, of wisdom, being full of faith, full of joy, all of the characteristics. You can see it and describe it as being a type of individual. It's not a one-time event. It's a habitual characteristic, and it's visible to others. So I think in my own life, who are those people that I think of when I think filled with the Holy Spirit? Those people who are just steadfast, they're not shaken. Those people who just love you and love others and have joy and they're full of faith and they're steadfast and, and you in your mind right now probably have somebody. How many of you have somebody in mind you're thinking of right now? Raise your hand. And so I started thinking, who would, it's always dangerous to name names, but who would I name? You know, the, the first people that came to my mind were Lyle and Connie Anderson here at Cedarville. 
If you've not had an opportunity to get to know Lyle and Connie Anderson, I would encourage you to take a class just for the fun of it or just go by and say hello and spend a few minutes with them. I don't think you can spend five minutes with either one of them without coming away with a smile on your face because they so love each other and they so love God and they demonstrate just a peace and a patience and a joy and being full of faith. You just think about living a life like that, the impact you can have on others. It's that what you want to be in life or do you want to be that person? And I'm not going to name any names here, but do you want to be that person that has that sour look on their face? That every time you see them, they look like they're just walking with a lemon stuck in their mouth and anger in their eyes. And you talk to them and everything just has this raspy huffness to the voice. And you think you're at a presidential debate. (laughs) How many of you know somebody like that? Raise your hand. Oh, come on. I'm not the only one that knows those kind of people. You all know those kind of people, right? How many of you know somebody like that? I'm not going to put you on the spot. Now, which one do you want to be? And don't point to the person next to you either. Don't do it. Which one do you want to be? You're never going to be what you're not being daily. And so each day we should live a life trying to be characterized as being filled with the Spirit. We should try to make sure that we are demonstrating the characteristics of the Spirit. So what does it look like? Talk to me more about filling of the Spirit. There's a parallel passage in Colossians 3, 16 and 17. I'm going to put it up here on the screen for you. This parallel passage has many of the same characteristics flowing from this text, but it has different wording. You can see that Ephesians 5 is be filled with the Spirit. Colossians 3, 16 and 17 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly and all wisdom and teaching and admonishing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. That talks about our singing. I hope we have time to get there, but you guys do a fabulous job singing. I think heaven rejoices when Cedarville sings congregational hymns and congregational praise songs to the Lord. When we sing with joy, it's just a beautiful experience. And so keep singing unto the Lord with joy and with grace in your hearts to the Lord. And in whatever you do in word or deed, do all in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through him. Let's look at the parallels here. If you were to put these side by side in a chart, you would see that Ephesians 5 says, be filled with the Spirit. Colossians 3 says, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. Ephesians 5 says, address one another. Colossians 3, admonish one another. Ephesians 5, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Colossians 3, psalms and hymns and spiritual songs. Ephesians 5, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. Colossians 3, singing with grace in your hearts to the Lord. Ephesians 5, giving thanks always and for everything to God the Father. Colossians 3, giving thanks to God the Father. And it could go on. But we stop there because nothing else would fit on the slide. And so here we see that there's parallel sections here. So what does it mean to be filled with the Spirit? I would suggest to you it means letting the Word of Christ dwell in you richly, which means to me that you are so saturated with the Word of God. You have read the Word of God. You value and treasure the Word of God. You have memorized the Word of God. You have meditated upon the Word of God so much so that your responses to things are scriptural in their content. You may even quote scripture back to people when they bring certain situations. You think about a problem and immediately a verse comes to mind. You are so saturated with the Word of God that you you bleed Bible. You sweat. Bible. You ooze Bible coming out of you. You would be that Bible trivia maniac who gets all the Bible trivia questions right because you love God's word and what it has to say to you. It is active. 
It is sharp in your life. It is powerful in your life. It affects the way you live your life. Do you value and treasure the word of God so much so that you let it dwell in you richly? That's why we do what we do here. In chapel, we want the Bible preached. That's why we have a Bible reading plan. That's why in your Bible minor, it's Old Testament and it's New Testament and it's the text of Scripture. It's not higher critical theories. It's why we do theology from a biblical foundation. It's why we don't send you off in a room to meditate and empty your minds of all thoughts, which is nonsense. It's why we tell you to think about Scripture and to meditate on Scripture and to allow Scripture to change your heart and mind because it's Scripture that does not come back void. It is Scripture that is powerful. Scripture is what we focus on. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Be filled with this book. Now, now, right there was a good amen point. I'm just saying. You want to be filled with the Holy Spirit? Be filled with this book. All right. We're getting there. And I completely lost my train of thought because I was giving you guys a hard time. How many of you really want the spectacular? We do. I do too. I want a revival to fall in Cedarville that they call the cornfield or the corn stack revival or corn something revival because we got corn and beans all around. And I want the Lord to be praised and I want all of us to be changed forever. And I want our nation and I want our world to be changed for the gospel of Jesus Christ. But here's where my fear is. That we so focus on the spectacular that we refuse to live the mundane in the way that the Holy Spirit tells us we should live the mundane. And every day is not on a hilltop The days are going down and in a valley and going back up the next hill and we should live a life that's characterized by being filled with the Spirit. We should be ordinary Christians with an extraordinary God in such a way that we are prepared for the ordinary day and the ordinary task in the same way that we are prepared for the supernatural, superordinary act of God if it ever chooses to come. That's my challenge to you. Let the Word of Christ dwell in you richly. What does this look like? Characteristics. Joyful, verse 19. Look at what it says. It says in verse 19, addressing one another in psalms and hymns and spiritual songs, singing and making melody to the Lord with your heart. I think that's joy. Joyful. Are you joyful? Or have you been sucking on one too many lemons for one too many days and it's stuck? Be the encourager. Be the joyful person. Be the person that others want to be around. Second characteristic here is thankfulness. Verse 20, give thanks always and for everything to God, the Father, in the name of our Lord Jesus Christ. We should wake up every morning giving thanks to God. We should go to bed every night giving thanks to God. You say, what do I have to to give thanks to God about? You have immense opportunity in life. You have things that others could only dream of, the opportunity to learn from faculty and staff and to walk alongside them on this campus and to be discipled, the opportunity to make friends like you are making with fellow classmates, the opportunity to serve God, the health that he's given you, the mental capacity that he's given you, the athletic ability that he's given some of you, the musical ability that he's given some of you, the ability to memorize drama and plays, to do the theater shows that we put on in the middle of a semester, which I can't fathom how you do all of that and do it with such excellence 
excellence. You are a gifted group of men and women. Give thanks to God for those gifts. Give him the glory. Don't take it for yourself. Return that thanks to him. Because when we take it for ourselves, we get prideful and we get arrogant and then we refuse to be humble. When we give thanks to God because God has given it to us, then we are thankful that the Lord has allowed us to exist and to live and to do these things. And that brings a humility because we understand it's not from us, it's a gift from God. And that humility flows into the next one and to the last characteristic here in this text, submitting to one another out of reverence for Christ. So we all know about the fruit of the Spirit, the fruit being singular in Galatians 5, 22 and 23. You want to know what to look for in a roommate? You want to know what to check for to know if you want to be a roommate with somebody? Here you go. This is your list. It's the fruit of the Spirit. It's love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, self-control. You want to know what to look for in a spouse? You want to know what to look for in the president, not of this university, in the president of the United States? I could not be more disappointed in many of our candidates, not just one, but many of our candidates who have stooped to the level that they don't even have common decency so that I would let them date my daughter. They don't have a fruit of the Spirit because they are not acting in a way that demonstrates statesmanship. And I fear that God is giving us what we deserve in this country for a president rather than having the grace to give us what we need to serve as a president. So let's pray for the presidential elections in all fronts. And let's be the type men and women that demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit so that one day we can lead in those political areas. We can lead in business areas. We can lead in the hospitals and in the pharmacies on the farm and in the real pharmacies, and so that we can continue to do things well for Christ. Let's do that. Let's be the group in the generation that says, what do I want to do? I don't want to be arrogant and prideful in my own gifts. I want to give thanks to God and demonstrate the fruit of the Spirit. Is that what you want? Is that who you want to be? Let's do that. Let's be that today and tomorrow and the next day so that when we look into the future, we are there. You want to know what to look for in a spouse? Here's your list. This list says nothing about beauty. It says nothing about super intelligent. It says nothing about earning capacity. But you find somebody that has this list and you will be immensely joyful in life. So what do we do in summary? Let me back up and I'll show you where we've been. You see the contrast not wise, not unwise, but wise. Not foolish, but understanding the will of the Lord. Not drunk, but filled with the Spirit. You see the command. It is a command. It's present, it's plural, it's passive. You see the characteristics that result. They are joyful, thankful, and humble. That's being filled with the Spirit. Let the Word of Christ dwell richly in you. Well, last year I had a phrase. If God is faithful, you can trust Him. You remember that. I have struggled all year. I haven't had a phrase. I was sitting in a sermon yesterday, and the pastor at the church where I attend was preaching. And he's preaching on Isaiah 40, verse 8. Isaiah 40, verse 8 says, The grass withers, the flower fades, but the word of God will stand forever. Why do I believe what I believe? It's because the word of God says it. Why do we believe what we believe? It's because the word of God says it. So this is what I think I'm going to start ending the rest of the chapel sermons with that I'm preaching for the end of the semester. It's just a verse of scripture. This verse of scripture reminds us that cultural tides will go away. It reminds us that people and critics and philosophers will fade off the scene. It reminds us that the grass will wither and that the flowers will fade, but what will stand forever? The word of God. That's why we check everything we hear by the word of God. 
So let's read this together as I try to get this ingrained in my mind and hopefully in yours as well. Read this with me. The grass withers, the flowers fades, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly. I believe that the grass withers, the flowers fade, but the word of our God will stand forever. Let's go to the Lord in prayer. God, we thank you for your word. God, we thank you for your spirit which indwells us. We thank you for its leadership. Lord, give us the strength to follow the leading of the spirit in our lives. Give us the strength to live lives characterized by being filled with the Holy Spirit. Not for our honor, not so that people will say good things about us, Lord, but for your honor and for your glory and that we may glorify you by living a life well lived. That's our prayer in Jesus' name. Amen. And you are dismissed.